Hello, welcome to the Capital Employed Podcast. For this episode, I had the pleasure of talking with Stephen Keel from Arquitos Capital. Arquitos is an unconventional hedge fund with a great track record that invests in a small number of unique companies. In this episode, Stephen talks about his investment philosophy and process. He also talks about three companies he is currently invested in. Before we jump into the conversation with Stephen, we will be publishing some exclusive interviews that will be solely available to those on the Capital Employed email list. So if you want to listen to these future bonus episodes, please visit capitalemployed.fm forward slash exclusive and add your email to the list. Okay, without further babbling from me, please enjoy my conversation with Stephen. Thanks, Stephen, for coming on to the show. Uh, for listeners who may not be familiar, who and what is Arquitos Capital? Yeah, well, thank you, John, for having me on. Uh, I started Arquitos Capital in 2012. Basically, it's a, I call it an unconventional hedge fund invested in a small number of unique companies. Uh, so my previous career was as an attorney. I worked uh, for a public policy organization as well, so kind of came from outside the business and uh, had done well running money for kind of friends and family and uh, then started out in 2012, kind of spun off from my legal work to launch Arquitos Capital. And, you know, here we are nine years later, uh, we've taken over a small public company, which we'll talk about later in the the podcast here, Uh, you know, built a great network of fellow managers, done a lot of interesting transactions, and uh, basically had a lot of fun along the way. The funding behind Arquitos, is it sort of institutional money or do you keep it more fellow investors who kind of understand investing in smaller companies? Yeah, we have, uh, I think, 65, a mid-60s number of investors. And since it started out with people who I was connected with, you know, when I first started, uh, not coming from the industry, primary investors were kind of friends and family, people connected. and. To me, and then over time, that expanded. You know, we've picked up some family offices and some other, you know, a couple interesting fund of funds, other things like that. But you know, I think primarily it's individuals still, and to the degree that they understand investing in kind of these smaller companies or these types of special situation things that we do, uh, I think it's a little bit more of they appreciate the philosophy and respect you know, the long-term nature and perspective that we take. And you're always looking for investors that are committed over a long time period, especially when you have a concentrated portfolio like we have, where you can have significant volatility over the course of several years. And what type of industries and companies do you invest in? There's no specific industry, you know, kind of a generalist in nature. We're really looking for more special situation type of thing. Some of those special situations, these are company specific things, can transition into longer value-oriented holdings. You know, where do you get the mispricings early on uh, when you first discover a company? You know, where does a misunderstanding come from, from the market versus the intrinsic value of the company? Generally, that's when a company is going through some sort of transition. There's something specific to the company happening. So we've had things through the years where you know, I invested in companies a number of years ago that had these net operating loss carry forwards, these tax assets uh, that went away a little bit 
a few years ago when the tax law changed. You know, we've done things like spinoffs. We've done different event-driven things. We invested in a, a bankrupt ICE company. It's coming out of bankruptcy back in 2013. That was a tremendous investment for us. And uh, you know, today we're invested in, we're heavily invested in a company that has uh, is going through activist investor litigation. You know, it's a wide range of things. Look at any industry that we can reasonably understand. You know, that has a the fewest number of variables uh, in, inherent to the uh, to the industry itself, so that rules out a few industries. You know, generally looking for those situations, special situations, and company specific things that we can ballpark the potential result and attempt to get some sort of predictability over time to back up the thesis of the mispricing today. And how do you find these companies? Well, I think it's important to go to the original sources. You know, there's a lot of kind of secondary research out there, and it's fine. You know, that secondary research is fine for giving um, some background information for checking your work and different fact-related things. But, you know, ultimately, when you go to the SEC filings themselves, uh, when you go to the news that and different presentations, whatever the company is putting out, that's a great way to find new opportunities. You know, look for insider buys or things cluster insider buys because you really have to be humble to the fact of what the company itself knows, the insiders know, you know, and that's what I learned kind of being involved in a small public company myself now that there's so much going on behind the scenes that the outside passive investor is just not going to know until after the fact. So how do you ride along or ride the coattails or find something before others? How do you find the opportunity uh, before it's kind of actually already happened, you know? And so if you've got a cluster of insider buys, if you've got uh, share buybacks at reasonable prices, uh, if you look at the incentives provided, you know, to management and the board, uh, those can be opportunities as well. And so, you know, through different SEC filings, that's the primary way that, you know, we kind of do the research. And then, of course, talking to the company, talking to fellow investors, and, uh, you know, ironically enough, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of idea sourcing on like Twitter uh, and Google alerts and things like that, where, you know, you put in keyword terms for different companies, different situations and uh, different activist investors, for example, uh, or other smart people that might get involved, you know, in a, in a company out there that you can find. And uh, you obviously you want to do your own research and you have to own the idea yourself but it's a great way to come up with, you know, a nice watch list. How many companies do you normally hold in your fund? Is it quite concentrated? Usually around 10 to 12, sometimes 15. It depends what's going on at the time. Sometimes we'll own a basket of things, but the top five companies generally make up 75% of the portfolio. You know, that's the way I like it. I think you have to do it in a way that matches your personality. And I'd rather go really deep into one company than spread myself out over you know a large number of companies like we could kind of maybe fixated or obsessed with the one company itself and so if you can be patient and find a company that really has a low amount of risk of capital you know actual capital loss forget about volatility itself but you know you're looking for the risk of actual capital loss permanent capital loss and if you can find a great opportunity like that because of mispricing you know, in my opinion, and the way that I approach it is that 
you have to take full advantage of that and make it a significant position. Do you mainly focus on the OTC markets or do we, do we look international as well? Uh, no, we'll, you know, we'll own anything. Uh, we got a couple of companies that are on the OTC markets, but you know, most of the companies are SEC filing on NASDAQ and stock exchange. We've gone overseas a couple of times, but it's been a little bit more rare. Uh, so, you know, we're generally North American, you know, looking for North American type of companies, but you know, the idea is what, what can I understand and what can I feel comfortable with? And so if you're looking at something overseas, you know, you, you really have to have a deep understanding of what's going on, the risks. And, uh, you know, so that's, that takes a little bit more work, takes a little bit more perspective. And, and there's quite a few more in the too hard pile for that. So we're primarily looking at North American companies uh, in, in a little bit more predictable, you know, industries and situations. Can you talk us through two companies in your in your fund that you think would have good returns going forward? What what's the thesis for investing in those companies? Well, we're involved in a small public company called uh, Enterprise Diversified, and I'm the chairman of it. And you know, I'm really excited about the long term prospects here. We've owned it for about the last five years, uh, six years or so now, as we're getting into 2021. The thing that's exciting about Enterprise Diversified is the asset management company called Willow Oak Asset Management. This is the subsidiary. It's 100% publicly uh, or 100% owned by the public company. Basically, Willow Oak takes fee shares in other investment funds in exchange for providing operational services. Provided a seed investment to Alluvial Fund uh, about four years ago, and then we provide operational services for or uh, several other funds, and we're looking to expand that. So, you know, this is the type of business that the economics can be extremely attractive over long time periods. So there's an initial kind of investment by, you know, the operational side for the resources put out by Willow Oak. Uh, so it's kind of a loss leader there. And then as time goes by, as the funds grow, as the performance is you know, as their, their performance fees are earned and things like that from those funds. If we look forward 5, 10, 15, 20 years, the fee shares uh, can be very significant. Of course, the, the manager himself makes uh, quite a bit as well. And so when we do that, we're looking for funds to partner with that have that long time horizon that are willing to be you know, around for a long time, uh, that are willing to uh, commit. And these are permanent relationships. Not every one of the funds is going to hit it big. Uh, I think as we've chosen some very smart managers who are going to be around for a long time, have uh, different niches that they're invested in, the funds themselves are going to do very well, which will benefit their investors, of course. And then Willow Oak Asset Management also will do very well. The ticker for that is SYTE, is that correct? Enterprise Diversified Inc. SYTE, that's correct. And then, you know, for, for kind of a second investment, I'll give a basket of things. I mean, we're invested in a few different things uh, that we're excited about right now. You know, it's been the last six months have been a very exciting time. We've had a tremendous start to the year here in tremendous Q4. So, you know, there's a company called Namtai Property that is going through litigation right now in BVI. This is uh, actually a Chinese company. I first found it many, many years ago, Marty Whitman from Third Avenue, and more recently was introduced to it, reintroduced to it by uh, my friend Thomas Brazil. You know, this is uh, a company, there's an activist investor that got involved in it. They're attempting to reverse a private placement that was done last year. 
that private placement was done at a price kind of similar to today. But the true value of the company is uh, many multiples of what today is. And the litigation seems to be going well for the activists. But if that happens, uh, you know, I think there'll be a flood of buying or there'll be potentially a buyout offer at several multiples of today's price. Even if the activists are not successful in the litigation, the certainty after the trial, I think, provides uh, support you know, for other investors to get involved. The primary uh, shareholder there had been buying shares at twice of today's price. They put in a huge, huge private placement about three years ago, four years ago, at twice of today's price, uh, and uh, had put out information suggesting that the company was worth in the, in the $40 range. This was several years ago, and it trades about nine right now. So we're excited about that. There should be a resolution here in the next few weeks. And uh, whether there's a buyout offer or uh, something else, uh, you know, I think this, this, is, uh, this is one that's already done great for the portfolio in the last couple months. It's doubled and uh, has more room to run. You know, I've also been long time involved in a company called MMA Capital. And this is a company that provides solar financing for solar lending. Uh, they control a fund and then they have various other holdings. They have tax assets and that operating loss carry forwards and have done, it appears they've done very well even through the crisis here, but the price uh, to compared to intrinsic value of the company, the book value is really widened right now. The stock's trading at $23 and book value is 38. Uh, they're coming out with 38, not counting the tax assets. Uh, they're coming out with their uh, Q4 results in a couple of weeks. I expect them to be very good. Uh, this is a company that used to be a huge cannibal. They were buying back 10% of the eight to 10% of the stock every year for a five year time period. And in the last couple of years, they've set that aside because they've seen better reinvestment opportunities in the company itself. So we'll see where that goes. But the, it's really been amazing to me to see that gap even widen during this, you know, this time period where the stock market itself, the last couple of years, has done very well. Companies like MMA have been set aside, right? These are traditional balance sheet value names, and they are extremely out of favor right now. Uh, and you know, these are safer places to be. You know, when we get, uh, when you know, when the market starts to kind of become a little bit more rational at some point in the future, you know, it's anyone's guess as to when that'll happen. But once the speculation uh, dies down a little bit, you know, a company like MMA Capital is extremely safe there. And you know, on the other hand, even if the speculation continues in the market. If MMA were to decide to sell itself or they will use up the NOLs and sell themselves, or even if they were to liquidate, which is not something they're going to do, but if, if they did, you know, you're looking at a 50%, perhaps a 75% gain uh, just from the liquidation itself. And, you know, if we try not to be too greedy here and amortize that over several years, we'll be very happy with that return. Seems very uh, cheap as well. Good value. Yeah. And, you know, when I first was buying into it in 2014, I think my first purchase was around $7. So we're still happy with the performance. <laughs> but, you know, the last couple of years, it's dropped from 30 down to about 23. And uh, that's had a negative effect on our performances. It was a big piece of the fund. You know, the, the actual risk there was very low. Risk is the opportunity for permanent capital loss, not volatility. Just because the stock price goes down, that says nothing about risk. And the company itself is because the stock price has gone down. The risk itself is plummeted. You know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, but we're still very happy with buying into a seven dollars stock and owning it at twenty three dollars over a six year time period, a seven year time period. 
but uh, obviously the last couple of years, the, the market has, has kicked it to the curb, uh, which you know, is an opportunity for other investors to take a look and potentially find opportunity there, find value. Thanks for sharing those three companies. They were like interesting situations. Are you an avid reader? And if so, what book have you recently enjoyed reading? Yeah, so I've gotten away from investment books the last few years and gotten a little bit more into more psychology and human nature and those types of things and uh, even kind of marketing related books. Alchemy by Rory Sutherland was a great book read a few years ago. And that actually led me to a book I'm currently reading called The Enigma of Reason. And this is a book by uh, Dan Sperber and Hugo Mercier. You know, to put it in a nutshell, the theory is that something called the justification theory, which it's saying that the rational mind basically provides justification <laughs> for, uh, for uh, what the uh, kind of spontaneous mind does. You know, so you, you can think of like Kahneman and the, the different theories he has, this is actually taking the opposite approach. Uh, and it's a very interesting perspective and interesting book and where it's, it's saying that, you know, the rational mind and reason actually is kind of like press office, <laughs> you know, uh, in, in the, in the, the administration, for example, uh, it's, it's not the decision maker. Uh, we can't rely on reason and, and rationalism. It's, it's there actually to mislead us or to justify the decisions that we have already made. And so I, I'd encourage people to take a look at it. I think there's a lot of that in the stock market today and certainly in day-to-day -day life uh, where, you know, basically you've got uh, a, a lot of what would, might be considered irrationalism, but people justify that, <laughs> you know, because of, uh, from their own reason and uh, really made me much more humble uh, to the value of kind of spontaneous decision-making and feelings you know, making decisions based on kind of gut reactions and feelings, because in a lot of ways, those gut reactions and feelings are taking all of your knowledge, all of your experience and subconsciously pushing you in one direction. We should not discount the value of that. So where can listeners find out more about Arquitos Capital and about yourself? You can go to the website, arquitos.com. It's A-R-Q-U-I-T-O-S. I'm fairly active on Twitter as well, which is Stephen underscore Keel. It's K-I-E-L. So, you know, always uh, happy to kind of interact there, looking for stock ideas all the time. So appreciate anything you've got there. And uh, we actually, Willow Oak Asset Management handles the operations for, for Arquitos Capital as well. And so you can find a little bit more information there at willowoakfunds.com. Okay, that's great. Yeah, th thank you so much, Stephen, for coming on. It's been really good listening to you. Thanks, John. I appreciate that.